Are you underutilizing one of the most powerful restaurant marketing tools on the planet? What do 92 million monthly Yelp searchers see when they land on your page? Is your content accurate and attention grabbing? Are you using every conversion tool possible to set yourself apart? Yelp is here to help. Go to restaurants.yelp.com forward slash profile to sign up for a one-on-one with a specialist that will review your Yelp page and share tips to help you stand out. Again, go to restaurants.yelp.com forward slash profile to supercharge your Yelp page today. Now here we go. The concept is streetwear plus food. Why does it work for restaurants? Here's an idea. They get to collab with a cool brand. Like, why does it work for a brand? They get to collab with their favorite restaurant. And why it works for the public? A ton of exclusive goods. So broken down as simply as that, you can build so much from each of those conversations. Welcome to Full Comp, a show offering insight into the hospitality industry, featuring restaurateurs, thought leaders, and innovators. Served up on the house. We've spent the last 15 months together questioning every assumption about this industry. What I've learned from more than 100 interviews is that a 6% net profit doesn't need to be the standard. I've collected the best practices from the best operators in the world and created a guide detailing the five steps they've all taken to achieve a 15% net profit in their restaurants. You can download that guide for free by visiting restaurantprofitguide.com. Again, that's restaurantprofitguide.com. Rome wasn't built in a day, but it also wasn't built by one guy. Today we chat with Miles Canaris, who built one of Los Angeles' signature food events, breaking through the noise in an incredibly competitive market. How did he do it? Through hard work and a central focus on building relationships that bring value to both parties. Today we talk about what he's built, how he built it, and the way he was able to recruit high-profile strategic partners along the way. So I started in streetwear, uh, ended up in this company here, and they were kind of like, do whatever you want to do. We think that you have something special. Like, we feel like you know how to bring in an audience. So they were very gracious on like, whatever you want to do, do it. So I was watching from afar how they operated the Asian American Expo and my take backs, like really it was just operation, understanding the back end. But what I saw was the thing that everyone went to, right? They would go and attend the event and visit the booths, which featured all Asian businesses trying to anywhere from like paper cup companies to little toys and whatnot. But the thing that made that show so good was their food app. And it was this big space where they featured a bunch of Asian street food vendors. And that was the most popular part of the entire weekend. You know, the 100,000 people would attend for the weekend to do a little bit of business, but then just eat all this amazing food. And so that kind of caught my attention. So we ended up launching, you know, streetwear has this very specific style of branding and style of rollout, which was like appealing to so many people. Like, rolling out a streetwear product or launch was very specific to that world. And so I figured taking those methods and the stylistic ways of doing a lineup flyer and so on and so forth, doing a food event with that kind of background and that kind of look and feel was interesting to me as well. And so from there, I launched that sample sale event. It was called The Silk Show. 
And then we did this really big food event called the K-Town Night Market. And that was very successful. Like we were bringing in 20,000 people. It was very young. It was youth culture. The Asian American Expo skewed really old, not older, but like middle age and older people would attend that. And this was like our night market. Like we took that food alley and then made it youth culture, made it really young and fun, still featuring the same vendors though. But that was just an eye-opening experience. Like from struggling to get people to come to my events and then putting food as the forefront and then just seeing how much more people gravitated towards food was so amazing. And again, I was still learning, right? Like I was still just learning how to do this and seeing what works and seeing what people are interested in. And then after we launched K-Town Night Market, that's when it was really like, okay, like I think that food is my thing. It was also great too, because around that time, like 2015, 2016, the culinary scene in Los Angeles was like, there was so much buzz around it. These people were waiting in line for two hours for a chicken sandwich. And what I saw immediately was like the culinary scene was very reminiscent of when streetwear had its moments as well. Like when streetwear was on this meteoric rise, it was like because it was so against the grain. These are independent guys, independent tattooed guys wanting to do their own thing that cared about their craft. And that resonated with an audience. And the culinary scene at that time was seeing a lot of that same thing. Like it's independent guys tattooed, but also care so much about their craft that it translates into really good product, which is their food. And so these two hour lines, because they're operating out of a 200 or 300 square foot kitchen. And so there was just something about that independent nature of the food scene that drew me towards it, much like how streetwear drew me towards it as well. So that was interesting. When I said food is my thing now, it was also around that time when it was like that. So I could approach these chefs a lot more. It was a lot easier to have these conversations. I want to take the opportunity to kind of unpack what you've learned so far. So you do the K-Town Night Market before you decide to start the Family Style Festival. That's really what gave you the inspiration to do it. And my question would be, because I think it'll help the audience listening, what is the anatomy of a great event? I mean, how do you convince 20,000 people to come to an event? Because I've got to believe if we were to start really high level, I think the first essential element is probably concept and inspiration, right? So my question would be, because 20,000 people don't show up to eat. They're showing up for more than food. They're showing up because they believe in whatever is being presented. When you crafted the concept for both Night Market and the Family Style Festival, what was the ideology that you think people attached to that said, I mean, your first Family Style Festival, out the gate, 2,000 people showed up. That's incredible. Most restaurants are struggling to get 50 people to show up. So my question would be, when it comes to concept and inspiration, how do you come up with a concept that's guaranteed to resonate? What was your path? Yeah, like that is where it starts. It started with the first event that I did, the trade show, like hitting this niche market of independent streetwear brands. Because I think that as an event producer, or actually someone who maybe doesn't produce events, they'll look at an event and see the whole scope. They'll see all the people and all the decor and, and all the participators already there. But it always starts with a path. And the first event was independent streetwear brands. I built a whole campaign. We built a whole event around that one very specific model. With the night market, it was an authentic food item. Like night markets are very popular. 
It's a very communal thing. And so night market alone, but then starting off very small, starting off very singular, and then building everything around it, building everything to support that one idea, you can do a lot with it. And why I feel like people resonated with the night market was this kind of need for like really authentic Asian food offered at a special event. That was the draw. And then on top of that, we added carnival games and a stage with music and and so on and so forth. But it started with just seeing how it went at the Asian American Expo, seeing how people enjoyed authentic food in that food alley. You can build a whole event and brand around that specific model. And so that's what it was. Like We didn't know that that many people were going to come. We knew that the concept was popular. So it's not like we were starting from scratch. We knew that these night markets were popular all over the world. This isn't a new thing at all. In Japan and Tokyo and Korea, like these night markets are what people travel to go to. But being in LA and, and wanting to do it specifically and then create a brand around it, I think it always starts with the concept. And it's just a matter of how you present it. And that goes with the curation. So same with family style. Family style has a very specific model. It's a merge or a combination of these two worlds that are already very similar. The streetwear world and the culinary space already kind of share the same audience, share the same interests, share the same people. And our idea was bringing them together to give an exclusive experience. So those were our kickers. Like It started off with streetwear plus food. And then adding to it is making everything exclusive. So they would make merchandise together as exclusive to the event. And these restaurants that maybe you can go to already on any given day is making an item that you can't get anywhere else. Those two things are what I and my team has found a lot of success in. So let's talk about that, because I think you bring up a really, really interesting point. I would say the next essential element is going to be sponsors, strategic partners, vendors, everybody you bring to the table. And I've done a bunch of these events. I've done LA Food and Wine. I've done a ton of events kind of in this vein. But yours is different because there's a lot more work that happens on the front end to participate in your events, especially with like the collabs and things like that. You have guests partnering with Howlin' Rays to do original design work. It's crazy. And so I'm wondering especially in the early days, let's go back to before it was what it is today. When you were shopping it, how did you rope in vendors, strategic partners to get involved in this? That's the hardest part, but that's how I started. Because at the end of the day, it's, I guess this applies throughout any industry, really, like no matter what you do, at the end of the day, it's a person connecting with another person, sharing whatever idea it is. And if there's a connection made, then great. If not, all good. Like, let's go on to the next one. But I really choose to break it down as simply as that. When I started with the trade show that no one's ever heard about, I was just on the road, just driving to different stores to convince their buyers to just come to this thing. And so it all just started with that mentality. So because I started that way, as I kind of grew and as I met more people and met more brands, talking through the concept and making a real genuine connection about a single idea or about a single thing that we both think is kind of cool and I think worth putting both of our efforts into, that's what it comes down to. And so it can start from something that no one's ever heard of, like it's just some kid walking into your store telling you to go to a trade show as that craft 
as I work on it daily and talking about why this event is cool or not, like it all just comes down to like talking through it. And that may sound stupid. I, and that kind of sounds kind of stupid, like saying it out loud. But it's like, if you are comfortable with the idea, and if you're comfortable with the concept, then talking through your idea and making a genuine connection with the next person, whether they're a sponsor, or whether they're a brand or a restaurant, you have to provide value. And that all comes from the back end. Like as we build the idea, it's like, okay, the concept is streetwear plus food. Why does it work for restaurants? Here's an idea. They get to collab with a cool brand. Like, why does it work for a brand? They get to collab with their favorite restaurant. And why it works for the public? A ton of exclusive goods. So broken down as simply as that, you can build so much from each of those conversations. It's super interesting because I listen to you and I would assume that if people don't know who you are and they don't know your event, they're like, oh, that seems like a really sweet guy that tries really hard and seems like he's done kind of okay for himself. But like when you look at the event and you look at the sheer scale, I mean, Sponsors include Crocs. It's given away like 10,000 pairs of Crocs. You've got DoorDash, The Hundreds, Nike, Off-White, John and Vinny's, Guess, Howlin' Rays. I mean, it's absolutely incredible. And I feel like I found you at this really interesting moment in your life because it's about to get really big. Like 2019 was okay. That was a good event. I wouldn't take anything away from it. 2020 was going to be much better. But you guys had to pivot and were somewhat derailed by the pandemic. But like, this is a really sweet spot, bro, because this is like the moment before you blow the fuck up. Yeah, I don't know. I'm like going through it right now. I just feel like I'm working. And I do pinch myself because the conversations that I'm having are just a lot bigger than they were. But they're the same. It's like the same conversation. It's just the scale is different. And if you don't get intimidated by that, which is very easy to be intimidated by. I think because I started off with so many no's and so much rejection, it kind of, you know, made all of this a lot easier. And again, doing ComplexCon was so pivotal because ComplexCon was a sought after project. It was very sought after. Like when they did the first one, it blew up. And so my conversations were a lot easier. Like they wanted to do it. But when I started, it was like, hey, please do this. Like, let me tell you about this. Please do this. Not to say I didn't land some big guys. Like we were landing big sponsors for our first ones also. But ComplexCon, seeing that there's a lane where people want to do your event. <laughs> like that was one thing. And so I don't know. Like I, I can't even like you kind of told me with that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I did. And it yeah. leads to my next question, because there are a lot of things that you do that I think restaurateurs would like to emulate. And so I want to talk to you about the collabs again, just to run through them again, like in this next event, it's Nike and Ghetto Gastro off white pairing with John and Vinny's guest pairing with Howlin' Ray's. I'm wondering in those collabs, because every restaurant would like to do a collab with off white or guest or Nike or a hundred other brands that they love and have an affinity for. My question to you would be, how do you structure those? If you were working on behalf of a restaurant, what is it that the brands are looking for? What are they looking to get from the restaurants? Yeah, this leads into it too. This is a point that I don't want to be missed because it's honestly led to everything. It's about who I'm working with and placing a value on, I am not physically or even capable of doing this at all by myself. I have to have partners in it. And so after my time at ComplexCon and when I created 
the concept for family style and rather than going to like a VC or whatever or trying to just do it by myself, like I needed a partner to do this with because I created all the food at ComplexCon. Luckily, from there, I was able to garner a little bit of a name. So conversations were easier, but I knew that I needed a partner to do this idea that was so lofty. And I went straight to streetwear and I fully credit the hundreds. The the hundreds, they're the co-owners of this event. So there are the co-founders with me. Ben and Bobby are my partners on Family Style. And that has honestly lowered the bridge of access to a lot, a lot of these brands and restaurants. The hundreds are pioneers in the space. They are streetwear kings. I was just big fans of them when I started off. Like when I brought the concept up to Ben and Bobby, they were immediately drawn to it because they also at the same time have been wanting to do an event in food or a festival of their own. So I partnered with Ben and Bobby Hundreds, huge figures in the space, and they had insane access. And with that, I treat it very carefully. And so that's how it starts. Like emphasis on our partners on your partners. And and it may seem insanely impossible to get partners like Ben and Bobby Hundreds, but again, they didn't know me, you know, before. Like it's anything is possible. This is a quote that when I started at ComplexCon, Aaron Levant, who was the founder, like he sat me down and I was having a tough time reaching brands and he was like, look, everyone is accessible. Every person on the world, no matter how big of a celebrity they are, no matter how secluded of an artist you may feel, everyone's open. And so that kind of lowered the shades for me also. Like you just have to be so comfortable with the concept enough to convey it to a person enough to get them excited. So it was convincing Ben and Bobby to partner with me on this. And then now that Ben and Bobby were on, like the idea was like, okay, brands partnering with restaurants. We just, again, dumb it down as much as possible. Like Ben and Bobby are like, yeah, we know X, Y, and Z. Name any brand you want to do this. We know them. And then we asked them, you know Helen Ray's, right? are you kidding me? You're talking about the chicken sandwich spot that has a two hour line? Like, yeah, I fucking love that place. Like I ate there last week. And then we brought the concept of like, how would you like to create a shirt with them? And then that was like also not done before. No one has really ventured that path. So being original was very important too. They were kind of like intrigued by the idea. And then like, we made it super simple. We'll buy the shirts from you. You design a t-shirt, like you do this already. This is a, a part of your business already. Like, make a design that's specific to your your favorite restaurant. And so it brought like the work load out of it. Like it made these designers more like, this is more of a fun project. And then to the restaurants, we were like, hey, do this food event. Why? Like there's so many food events. There's so many great food events that I already do. Like LA Food and Wine, like why this one? Like these food events are actually pretty labor intensive and it actually sucks for us. Like it's so hard to do, but we have to do them. So we're giving them like another outlet to doing a food event. Like not only do you do these food events, but like we can collab you, like you get merch out of this. Now there's a different thing. There's a different part of it that is exciting. So the concept was so different that it was new and that people were intrigued by it. And then the process, it was as simple as you can think of it. Like you're a t-shirt company, you're a designer, make a design in collaboration with this restaurant that you already like. And for the restaurant, like, hey, do your thing why don't we tweak a menu item that you like to kind of fit you as a designer's take on it? So letting them both be creative with something that's already in their wheelhouse and then just dropping it at our festival. Last question I have for you deals directly with promotion. 
How do you promote an event that 10,000 people show up to? Is it Facebook ads? Is it billboards? What can independent restaurateurs learn from the promotional and marketing things that you've done and that you've learned from streetwear? Because some of the best marketers in the world come out of streetwear. What could they glean from like your techniques that you use to drum up buzz and awareness for what you're doing? That's such an interesting concept right now because everything is changing like right now. The way that people access information is so different than it was even like three years ago. Everyone is online now. And as shitty as that is, and like as sucky as like, ah, fuck, like we have to do Instagram. It's just the most effective tool right now. And like, even that is changing. Like even that is going towards, it's a battle that's constant. Retaining attention is always going to be a constant battle, especially if you're selling a good, whether it's food or product or tickets, it's going to be something that you are going to spend a lot of time on. But what I can say, or for some advice is understand your market completely, understand who it is that you want. Maybe they're not your market, but like, like who do you want to go after? Learn where they are. And by the way, like this access, this information is way more accessible now too than it ever has been. The statistics on demos are visible through like Instagram. Like you can see who your audience is. You can see who they follow. Spend a lot of time on that. It used to be called lurking. Now it's called research. You know, spend a lot of time on these platforms where your audience is so you can learn them. And then from there, I can't place enough emphasis on design. Maybe before you didn't feel like you needed to hire a graphic designer. But now that the way to people is just visually on their phones. Yeah, let's be real. Like, that's it, right? The way to people is on their phones. It has to look good. Whatever it is, the information has to be designed really well. And it has to speak towards your brand. You authentically have a brand. Like you authentically have a restaurant that you know why you started the restaurant. You know why your product is as it is. Conveying who you are in different mediums with design or video or commercial, which is all so much more affordable now too. Like you can make commercials just with your guys, like in the back. That's how we do ours. Good filters and good lenses are more accessible. Things only look really, really, really big and really expensive until you understand you can do it yourself. Then the game changes completely. So understand where your audience is, understand where they are, who they are, what they like, and then don't ever short design. It's an industry podcast. And at the end of every episode, I like to give the guests an opportunity to speak directly to the audience. You work directly with restaurant owners and operators on a daily basis. And I'm wondering... Do you have any advice or words of encouragement that you'd like to share with them? I speak to restaurant owners and chefs every day as part of my job and understanding the gripes and what they like and what's bothersome and whatnot. Like really where I think I'd like to give advice, because again, there's still a lot that I need to learn too. And, and I actually learn every day from these guys. Don't be afraid to get creative. There used to be a box. There used to be a box that you should fit in. The world has changed so much and so fast and so drastically within the last few years that there kind of are no more rules. Yeah, like have a set menu, but then don't be afraid to get creative with it. You got into this field for a reason. You got into cooking to be creative. And yeah, like there's no box anymore. You can make whatever you want and however you want. Just roll it out really well. <laughs> like I actually just did this 
Thrillist interview yesterday where they're like, yeah, like restaurants are dropping menu items just like streetwear brands drop product. Can you speak on that? And it's like, there's just no more boxes anymore. And, and I think people actually gravitate towards a kind of a more independent approach to things. Obviously, take this with whatever grain of salt that you guys have, because you guys have a business that you need to operate and run. But there's ways to do it. You can get creative, even on whatever scale of a restaurant you are, even if you're a pop up, if you're a fine dining restaurant, and you can't gravitate so far away from your existing menu, like do a pop up in the parking lot outside after hours or something like those always work. When someone who is passionate and really well tuned with their craft gets creative with something, people love it. Feel free to get as creative as possible because at the end of the day, you're just trying to get to people. Like we're all just trying to reach people in our own ways, but never be afraid to be as creative as we all know you can get. That's Miles Canaris. For more on the Family Style Food Festival, go to familystylefest.com. If you want to tell us your story, hear previous episodes, or check out our other content, go to restaurants.yelp.com forward slash full comp. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, please leave us a review. A special thanks to Yelp for helping us spread the word to the whole hospitality community. I'm Josh Copel. You've been listening to Full Comp.